This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Today on episode number 655, that's right, it's a mega episode. I think my favorite quote from the Steve Martin Masterclass is, so many people come to him and say, how do I get an agent? How do I get a manager? And he said, very few people ask him, how do I get good? And so today, we're trying to answer the question, how do I know if my show is good? How do I know, not guess, how do I know my content is going to connect with my audience. Hit it, ladies! The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. This is where I help you massage your message. I help you tackle that technology, face your fears, flatten that learning curve, and get you going in the right direction. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, and save 20% on either a monthly or yearly subscription. Or if you want, buy a course a la carte. And since we're talking about audience feedback today, I'm going to start off with some feedback that I got. And so if you you think, ah, the School of Podcasting, yeah, maybe, don't just believe me. Listen to my buddy, Zeta. Imagine you want to start a lawn mowing business, and the only way you know how to cut the grass is one blade at a time. That's how I felt about my podcast until the coaching session I had last night with Dave Jackson. This is Zeta Christian, host of Ritual Recipes, a podcast filled with practical magic to nourish your inner life. You can find Ritual Recipes on the Mother website, moonriverrituals.com. I'm also a student at the School of Podcasting, and as I said, I had a coaching session with Dave Jackson last night. He used a screen-sharing technique to walk me through the problems I had with my podcast and with my gear and with my website. I am not technically savvy, and that's putting it mildly. But with Dave, that's not a problem. The man is a born teacher. His approach is clear. His attitude is always encouraging. And above all, at least for me, he's patient. So I ask you, do you want to start a podcast? Do you want to fix the one you have? If you answered yes to either one, Get the kind of help that will make a difference. Work with Dave Jackson. Give your podcast a real chance to succeed. Holy cow. Thank you so much, Zita, for that. That's the kind of feedback that I'm talking about. And it's not so much like my buddy, Wynn Charles, she sent me something and said, well, people are listening. I see the download numbers. And that's true. That lets us know that people are listening. And granted, if they weren't listening, the numbers would go down. So I get that. But sometimes we get emails and we get voicemails. Here's something from my buddy Darwin Dave. He does a show called Dealing With My Grief. You can find it at dealingwithmygrief.com. I get excited every time I open up an email and somebody tells me that a personal part of my own story resonates with them. I am so glad you're here this week for this episode because people ask me this all the time and they'll say, how do I grow my audience? And the first thing you have to figure out, the first thing you have to figure out is, and I'm just going to use the phrase, is your show any good? Now, if the answer, this is not a black or white thing. This doesn't mean just because your show isn't resonating doesn't mean it's bad. There are multiple parts of making a show good, but there are times, for example, let me introduce you to my friend. Jason Sacco with the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast, and my website is spondypodcast.com. Okay, I think we can all agree going with spondy.com, not a bad choice for the website name. Hoofa. Was that the super catch or fragilistic? What was that? Anyway, so there, when you're first starting out, sometimes when you go, well, how are you going to connect with your audience? You might be like Jason. You know, that's a really interesting question, Dave. Uh, at this point, I'm not sure is the best answer I can give you. And and I recently started this newer show that's a much more narrow-focused uh, podcast based on the type of arthritis that I have. only have a few episodes out. So I, I think at this one, it's too early to tell what the content is and I or how well it's being received. 
And so Jason is focused on the right topic, and that is simply... How do I get it more relevant? How do I keep it uh, more engaging for the, the listeners? And so Jason's show reminds me a lot of this guy. So Lee Silverstein with We Have Cancer. You can visit us at wehavecancershow.com. And when you're first starting out, it really is tough. And here's what Lee had to say. The key word there is connect. I think one of the biggest mistakes new podcasters make, Dave, and then anybody that's trying to promote a product or service is they jump right in and say, listen to my show, listen to my show. I'm great. You know, leave me a review, leave me feedback. You got to give before you can ask. So find wherever your audience is, be part of it, make friends, uh, contribute advice, be helpful. Then and only then have you earned the right to ask them to do something for you, which certainly includes listen to my show. And so if you go to any event, be it PodFest in March or Podcast Movement or any kind of event or any kind of book, it's going to tell you you have to know who your avatar is. And you're like, what, is this a movie quiz? No, no. No, who is your target audience? And here's the other thing. It's not who do you want to talk to? Not who are you talking to? Who do you want to talk to? And so here, I was on Podcast Envy a while ago. You might know my buddy. Andrea Clunder, The Creative Imposter, and Podcast Envy at thecreativeimposter.com. And like I say, step one is you have to figure and out. Half the time when I start working with a new client and I say, well, who is your podcast for? Or who are you trying to reach? They really don't know. And so part of the consulting process is to figure out and uncover, well, what is it that you want to get out of your podcast? Is it that you want new clients or is it that you want to become known as an expert in your field amongst your peers? Because that is going to change the listening audience. And it's also going to change the type of content that you're creating for that audience. So there's sort of been three stages of evolution for how to figure out the content that's going to resonate with the audience. And the power of this is you get to pick who do you want to talk to? I really had a niche audience pinned down in terms of the type of podcasters that I wanted to work with, which are podcasters who have an interest in social impact and the meaning behind their show beyond just maybe a marketing message or beyond maybe just hanging out with their friends and producing something cool. And that show really came from the questions that I get asked repeatedly by people who are thinking about starting a podcast or who have started one and feel stuck. It came from things that I see all the time in Facebook groups and uh, my own interactions with my clients and what kinds of challenges, struggles, questions, and growing edges they frequently have. And we're going to hit social quite a bit today. But before we do that, Natalie Ekdahl, the Biz Chicks podcast, bizchicks.com with an X. Yes, B-I-Z-C-H-I-X. And one of the things I love about Natalie's show, number one, when you hear me talk about, hey, sometimes it takes three years for things to take off. Yeah, one of the examples I use is Natalie. And the other thing I love about Natalie, she's so transparent on her show. She actually has a book out called Reset Your Mindset. And she talked about how she had a problem with her own mindset writing the book Reset Your Mindset. But listen to how she describes the person she wants to talk to. My target audience are women entrepreneurs who have a business and preferably a business that is currently making six figures or more in revenue, or they have uh, an established business and they're aspiring to that six-figure level. So I am particularly not trying to talk to people that do not yet have a business or have a very early like beginner level business. That's so specific. I love it. I did not know that at the beginning. Oh, okay. So what did you, when you started off, who did you think your target audience was? I was talking to women entrepreneurs and that is all I knew. So when did it change? It changed when I started realizing that, uh, the podcast was not a business. Mm -hmm. I thought that the podcast would be the business that the podcast would lead to sponsorship. And if I built it, they would come, but I built it and not very many people came. Again, I love her transparency. We'll definitely be hearing from Natalie, but there's an example of you shoot in one direction and sometimes it goes, uh-huh. 
Super Joe Pardo, business with Super Joe Pardo, superjoepardo.com. And also the guy behind MapCon, Mid-Atlantic Podcast. It, I thought I was going to be speaking to people between the ages of like 18 to may, maybe even a little bit younger because I did a lot of uh, school talks. Like I talked to like middle schoolers, grade schoolers, high schoolers. So I was thinking somewhere like school age to maybe like 30, maybe 35 tops. And what ended up mostly being was middle-aged women. So like I was doing like I was doing the talks, I was going out and 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 seeing people, but the people that were actually actively listening and giving me the most feedback were middle-aged women. One other way of getting feedback is through a Facebook group. Here's Natalie. I started the Coop, which is a private Facebook group for my listeners. I started that in uh, almost a year in. And to be honest, if I didn't have that group, I would not still be podcasting because it became my feedback loop. And around the time I started that, other podcasters, even in my genre, were advertising uh, for random people to come into their Facebook group just to grow. They were focused on growing the Facebook group. And that didn't feel like what I wanted to do. I really wanted my group not just to be full of women entrepreneurs. I wanted it to be full of listeners. And to this day, that's what it is. I would say the majority of people in there are fans, they're listeners, and we talk about the podcast in there and the topics that come up. We talk about other things too, but that group informs a lot of the content of my show. So Natalie built that resource after a year. Now, that doesn't mean you have to wait a year, but just realize it may be a year before it really starts bringing rewards. But you should have a goal. Why? Because how are you going to know if your podcast is on track, if you don't have some sort of goal? So I asked Jason, what is the goal of his show? And here's what he said. Bring everybody together, I guess, is is kind of a kumbaya statement. But, you know, growing up pre-internet, you felt alone when you were diagnosed with this and you, you really either didn't think about it or wondered what the heck was it. Now there's ways to reach out to folks, especially the newer people, because it is a very painful condition. There are medications now that uh, completely make it a much more tolerable process, but it's a very painful process. And people with this disease tend to isolate themselves. And so the key that I want to do is make sure people don't isolate themselves. So there are many reasons why you start a podcast, whether it's to build a community or to boost your business or to be seen as an expert. There's all sorts of reasons. None of those are wrong, by the way. You can start a podcast. Maybe you just want to hang out with your buddies. That's absolutely fine. There is no wrong. There's no judging here. We all have different reasons. We have different inspirations and different motivations. And so we figure out who our audience is to the best that we can, and we'll talk about some other tools you can do. But then maybe you want to start getting feedback via social. David Steele, Steel Empire, steelempire.com, S-T-E-E-L-E. And when it comes to social, that's how David is getting some of his feedback. And through Twitter, uh, Facebook, and email, we've had some serious, honest feedback from real fans. and that's the most heartening to me. Like they're real people that talk about how they get entertainment and joy uh, in their life just by listening to us. And you better not go away. Like if we miss, if we miss a week, we'll get emails from some fans uh, saying, Hey, is everything okay? You guys all right. And that's one of the best compliments you can get as a podcaster is if you miss an episode and someone actually notices. Now listen to Dave talk about how he started. He had a little bit of an organization and just started moving forward. And then I got into social media just for that reason. Other than that, I, I can't stand social media, but I figured it's something I have to do for this to promote this. And then I went into it just natural and kind of went in not trying to sell myself, but be part of the community so I could learn because I'm new to the community anyway. So our, our main podcast is Dungeons and Dragons. And it was new to me when we got into it, my, my kids teaching me how to play. So going into social media, I was, it was natural for me to just be part of the community. I wasn't trying to shove our show down anybody's throat. I wanted to learn at the same time. And so that became like almost like a, uh, a groundwork, like on Twitter and Facebook. And so I became part of these communities and then they be, and then when it came up that we could talk about my show, they became fans and they would promote me as well. And so it's been kind of a neat, organic uh, way to grow. Which kind of goes back to Lee Silverstein's comment of serve the audience first before you ask. And speaking of Lee, 
Here is how Lee talks about social and how it helped him develop his goal for the show and why he was doing the show. So I have a pretty strong social media presence across uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and I'm pretty dialed into the cancer community. And the consistent messages you hear are, I feel alone. You know, is there any hope? Uh, when there's a positive post, what's the most popular comment you hear back? That's so inspiring. And that's why I originally created the podcast in the first place was to provide information, inspiration, and hope. So that's how I knew what my audience needed. And now uh, through engagement, through attending conferences, having people come up to me and saying, thank you. You know, these episodes are so inspiring. Uh, you know, I heard someone on your show or your story where you've been living with stage four cancer for eight years. And I didn't think that was possible. Thank you. I thought, you know, thank you for helping me not feel alone. So these comments uh, that are particularly flowing through it, um, social media, excuse me, are just validating that we're filling this void that I, that I saw was there. Gene Moncherestelli, the Tapping Q&A podcast, tappingqna.com. So Gene is running his podcast to boost his business. He has a very specific goal for his podcast. The goal of my website is to get you onto my mailing list. Because if you are on my mailing list, then you have given me permission to interrupt your life regularly, to send you information about new content I've created, and to send you offers. And so that is the thing that my website is built for. So when you go to the website, there's initial pushdown that offers the freebie that I have. And it's, it's a 10-part guide to help you to eliminate self-sabotage. And the way that particular freebie was created is... About, I had a different freebie for a while, about six years into the website. I just went back and I looked at what is the content that is being consumed the most? What are the questions my audience is asking the most? And then I picked the 10 best pieces of content that were already on the website that answered the problem that people were asking the most. And so then I just reformatted it a little bit and turned it into a 10-part guide. So when you get to the website, it's a 10-part guide and... It doesn't say, here's a bunch of audios, here's a bunch of PDFs, because people don't want audios, they don't want PDFs, they want answers and they want solutions. And so the text is really specific on my opt-in box saying, this is what you are going to learn if you consume this content. So it's speaking directly to the problem my audience has, and I'm telling them the outcome they will get if they take the freebie, which makes it so much more enticing because they've come to my website to solve a problem. They haven't come to my website to get a piece of content. So Gene may be a little different than you. He's been doing this for a while, but he uses website traffic to help figure out what was resonating with his audience. And that's something you can do after you've been doing this a little while. But what if you're brand new? Well, Jason is taking a good path by checking social. The type of arthritis I have is not a huge group of us in the world. And so I'm very active in the Facebook forums that deal with that arthritis type. And I contact uh, uh, both, both the people that have it as well as their spouses and or caregivers and say, from a caregiver standpoint, what would you want to hear about from a person that's just diagnosed with it? What would you want to hear about that somebody, you know, 20 years into it might be able to tell you? And from somebody that has it, what are your what are your pain points? Jay Soderberg, a.k.a. Pod Vader, Next Fan Up podcast, wherever great podcasts are heard. And Jay has a great point about social. All social media is not created equally. While you want to be everywhere at all times, simply being everywhere is not a good strategy or a strategy at all. Anyways, the big guys have the man and woman power to take the quote unquote spray and pray approach, but you're smarter than that, right? You're paying attention to where your desired target lives and not falling trapped to marketing trends if they don't make sense for your brand. Getting zero traction on Pinterest, it's time to cut and run and focus on your flourishing Instagram following or Facebook group. And this brings me to something that um, I think it was uh, it was Mark Bologna of the um, he he does that New Orleans podcast, and he's like, anybody have any tips on Instagram or what I should be doing? You know, I got a huge Instagram following. I'm like, define your huge following. Yeah. And he's like, thirty thousand people. I'm like, why are you not telling thirty thousand people 
about your podcast on a regular basis. Like they're right. They're following you because they clearly like what you're doing. Like to me, that that's a perfect example of this particular rule that you can absolutely, you know, you have to be where your and you say it all the time. I quote you all the time, be where your audience is and your audience is clearly on Instagram. So you should be promoting like crazy on Instagram. I'm yeah. a sports podcast. My audience is on Twitter. I promote all the time on Twitter. Um, that's sort of, it's almost like that no brainer that people clearly forget about. It's like, Oh yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Joe Pardo, you know, Inc, right? INC. They have these, these like two, three, five minute episodes where they talk to like Marcus Limonis or John Taffer. These, these very interesting questions that are like, like I said, it's like a two minute answer and it'll have like less than 15,000 views. And it's been out for like three years. Because the audience isn't on YouTube, you know, my, like 30 plus year old, like entrepreneur, like entrepreneur slash like hardcore business owners aren't on YouTube. Andrea Clunder tried a different type of social. And then in informal social situations, people would say, oh, hey, what do you do? You know, when I would be meeting someone new and I'd say, I'm about to launch a podcast and they'd say, cool, what's it about? And I would try out topic number one. And their eyes would kind of glaze over a little bit or they'd be looking around the room for someone else to talk to or they'd say, cool. And then there'd be an awkward pause and they'd change the subject. So I knew that those topics were probably if I kept getting that response, those weren't the right ones. But when I came up with imposter syndrome and creativity and entrepreneurship, people would say, ooh, imposter syndrome, I think I have that. Or they would say, ooh, creative imposter, what is that? And that was, I kept getting that feedback and that was how I knew I was on the right track to start. How do you know which social to use? Well, Lee Silverstein asks one of the most important questions you can ask one of your audience members. Every message is the same. I found you on fill in social media platform. Lately, that that fill in the blank has been overwhelmingly Instagram. And again, you might be brand new to this. You're not really sure. So sure, you go out, you check out some Facebook groups, you do a little Twitter. Also, you might want to check out meetup.com. Another one, go to amazon.com, type in the subject of your podcast, find some books if there are any available. And while it is Amazon, there's probably a book available. Look at the chapters of those books because you can look at the table of contents and those might make for good episodes. Another thing you can do, Go to Google and type in your subject, and now Google has this like question box that shows up about mm, three-fourths of the way down. Those questions might make good examples because apparently Google thinks people are searching for those, and it never hurts to play in Google traffic. Jeremy Enns, Podcast Power Pack, podcastpowerpack.com. You'll hear Jeremy on next week's episode talking about what the heck is Podcast Power Pack. If you want to check it out, go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash podcast power pack. But this is how Jeremy finds out what's working with his audience. So I am a massive, massive, massive fan of surveys. And specifically, I I use Typeform, which I I find is a very clean platform. You can use Google Forms. You can use all these things. I would just for fun write up survey questionnaires with ridiculous questions and send them out and make people send them back to me. Uh, So I say I would do that. I haven't done it yet, but I show a lot of restraint in that. Uh, But I feel like not enough people actually take the time to create a survey and with very specific questions about the show's content and send it out to their audience. And you might need to incentivize them with some kind of prize for completing it or a draw or something like that. But there are so many people who I've asked, well, okay, you're, you're curious about this. You're not sure why people aren't getting in touch with you or if people are listening or if they like your show, have you actually asked them? And they say, well, no, not really. And say, well, you know, you could, have you like had, personal one-on-one conversations over email or social media or anything? No, not really. Have you sent out a survey? No. It's like, well, I think you should send out a survey and see what comes back. And almost everyone who has actually done that has come back and said, man, thanks so much for telling me to do that survey. I learned so much about my audience by doing that. And so for me, I think that is probably one of the most insightful things that you can get from your audience is um, you want to keep it fairly brief. Don't uh, make them spend 15 minutes filling out your survey. But uh, if you can, even in, you know, 
five to 10 questions, there's a lot you can learn about them and about how you can improve the show or tweak the show or shift your content a little bit here or there. And, uh, and that's really going to serve you in uh, connecting further with your audience. So Jeremy talked about how a survey doesn't have to be long. Check out Lee's survey. Three simple questions. What would you like me to start doing that I'm not already doing? What would you like me to stop doing that you find annoying? And what do you not want me to touch? What don't you want me to change? And I was fortunate that the overwhelming response was, we like it the way it is. Leave it alone. Nice. What tool did you use for that survey? Uh, Just uh, the poll feature in my Facebook group. Here's some more examples of questions you might consider from Jeremy. Uh, In terms of other questions, I would ask about favorite episodes that they've had in the past or, you know, what are the topics that every time they see a topic like this come up, they get excited and are like looking forward to to listening to that episode. If there are topics that, you know, do they skip over that they don't listen to at all? Um, Are there anything that you things that you do as the host that annoy them? You know, that's kind of a sensitive question that maybe you don't really want to hear or look at the answers to. But uh, and you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. But if there are things that you get back a lot of, you might have to kind of look in the mirror and think, oh, am I do I have this vocal tick that I'm not editing out and I'm uh, keep doing and I don't realize it that's actually turning people off? Maybe that's something I should work on. Or maybe there is something in your interviewing style where people complain that, you know, you ask great lead in questions, but I always want to go deeper and then you move on to something else before, without exploring it fully. And so I think those are things that can we probably don't realize that we're doing it until somebody points it out or maybe many people point it out and you kind of have to just like swallow your pride a bit and say, oh, OK, I guess I've, I've still got something to learn here um, <laughs> and can improve. And uh, I, I think other than that, the uh, the big one would be, do you have anyone who you would like to see on or can you make a recommendation for a topic or a person um, that you'd love to have on? Because I think that's just something that apart from serving your audience makes your job as a podcast host a lot easier because you're just getting content given to you basically. And if you're going to do a survey, that's one of the things you have to ask yourself. Are you willing to take constructive feedback? Are you willing to change your show? If it doesn't completely change the show to a direction that, well, you don't want to go again, it's your show, but are you willing to take constructive feedback and actually look in the mirror and go, Hmm, didn't realize that. Maybe I can do that better. Here's David Steele. Uh, this past six months, I guess, we've had a couple people hit us up on email. And even in our review, they said, hey, love this, love that, blah, blah, blah. And even with a five-star review, they still left a line in there. Um, it is a little, uh, you guys go off a little bit too much for me. I'm kind of a hardcore to the story. And I know you you talk about it a lot in your you know uh, rodeo show. How if they don't get to the meat and potatoes in the beginning, and that's why I try to do that. And I've actually changed my show a lot because of the, the great advice you've given. And, and anyway, so people will say, hey, this part I don't like. And then we've we've I've changed the editing a little bit uh, because of that. But then I, I, uh, I also try not to lose the the main the main thing, the main reason we do it. Joe Pardo. I was fortunate enough to, to at least get my head out of my butt listen to the people that were actually in front of me who were willing to listen and give me some kind of like, Hey, I like that. Or, Hey, that sounds like a terrible idea. Um, Oh, and good feedback. Like, Hey, you're using music, right? That sounds awesome. But the thing is, is like, I'm tired of hearing the same, like five songs played over and over again through, through all your shows or, Hey, your intro is killing me because your intro is like two minutes long. And when I'm binge listening, the last thing I want to hear is the same thing over and over and over again so it takes courage to say hey what do you think of my show please talk about it like i'm not in the room but that can lead to so much better content here's jeremy there were things that i never would have thought of and thought like oh well that's not going to be useful to anybody and you know a lot of times there are specific recommendations of like you should bring in this type of person for this type of show and this is the person you should reach out to or i have a connection to them let me introduce you and so i think that's something that a lot of us struggle with is like, well, uh, you know, you're running out of guests. It's like always a, a week before. Maybe it's like, uh, who am I going to get on next week? I don't know. And that can be, but by surveying your audience, you can kind of often get a lot of ideas and a lot of connections to people who you already know they're exactly the people that your audience wants because your audience is suggesting them. So I think that's one of the huge benefits of uh, of 
asking and uh, and surveying your audience there as well. I recently did an episode, My Favorite Podcast Is, and I went out to the people. So if you said, hey, my favorite show is the, uh, you know, Blue Shark Podcast, well, I would contact the Blue Shark to say, hey, this person said you're their favorite podcast. And I was amazed at how many of the, can you put up quotation marks for me, bigger shows, it was almost impossible to contact them. And so this is one of the things when we first start out, when you are, again, air quotes for me, a little podcast, I don't think there are any small podcasters, but you have smaller audience numbers, which again, it's not the numbers, it's not the quantity, it's the quality. But Natalie had some great advice. When we're new, we can do things that the, quote, bigger shows cannot do. So I think you have to just get started and put it out there and see who responds to you and who you enjoy serving and then do more of that. So do more of what is working for those people. I think it's really important. You should know your first 100 listeners. Like, who are they? What do they like about you? How did they find you? Talk to them. Get on, get on a call with them, email them. The people that are engaging with you are so important. And those first, you know, five or 10 people are critical and you should try to learn as much as you can about them. And that sounds great. I want to get to know the people when I first start out, but that is easier said than done sometimes. Joe Pardo. I think taking a step back and remembering that, you know, any feedback that you get is is super valuable because there's hundreds of people that may download your show and never reach out. Um, getting people to reach out is one of the hardest things to do, and and it's it's tough too because you'll feel like sometimes it's it's crickets. Like you might get like, oh, I got 300 downloads on an episode, but like not a single person reached out to me and said, hey, that episode is awesome. Andrea Clunder, and then also one thing that you know, Elsie Escobar, who I've worked with a lot, is constantly reminding me is. Also, to make it very easy for people to reach out to me and very clear as to how to do that. So she's constantly saying, what's your email? How do they email you? Share your email. (laughs) So I'm trying to get a little bit better about making it very clear, very obvious how to reach out to me. We're going to get to what is good content and how can we shape it in the best way ever. But remember, Gene the guy whose goal was to get your email address to help boost his business, listen to the way he knows, he knows his content is resonating with his audience. So the first way that I am aware that my podcast is connecting with people is, I mean, I, I work from a position where my, my newsletter, my mailing list is one of the most important tools I have for my business. And so when people sign up for my initial nurture sequence, the third email they get is a text email that just says really simply, I want to make sure the emails are getting through. Did you get part one, part two? If so, just hit reply to this note. You don't even have to put any information in it. I just want to know they're getting through. If they reply to that email, and about a third of the people do, I then follow up with an email that has two questions in it. Thanks for letting it know came through. I have two questions for you. The first question is, when it comes to the topic, which for me is tapping, which is an acupressure modality, what is the biggest struggle you have? And for me, that's an opportunity to gather intel so I can create better content as I'm moving forward. The second question is, how did you hear about me? And a significant number of people say, I heard about you because a friend of mine told me about your podcast. And so when I'm getting direct feedback from my audience where they are saying someone else recommended your podcast to me, that tells me the podcast must be good because we're not going to be recommending something to our friends if we're not getting value out of it. So the fact that I am being told by my audience that there is word of mouth that they're hearing from me, then I know something is happening that is good. The second way I'm getting some good feedback that I know that's going on is I have been invited to speak and train all over the world on the topic of the podcast. And so because someone has listened long enough and said, hey, we're doing this event in the north of the UK. We want you to be one of our keynote speakers because we love the content that you're sharing and we know our audience would benefit from it. That's telling me really directly that that is something that is beneficial because they're in a circumstance where they want me to be a part of what's going on. 
And then the third way is just from the different levels of audience engagement. When I get emails specifically about the show, when I get comments on the blog posts, uh, a couple of years ago, the last time I was in London, I did a meetup. And I literally just sent a note to my list and I said on the podcast at 10 a.m. Saturday morning, I'm going to be sending in the coffee shop at the Tate Modern Museum. Stop by and 35 people showed up. And of those 35 people, I only knew one of them. The rest of them, I was completely unaware of. And so they just showed up. And and the thing that I love the most was after about 45 minutes, they stopped talking to me and they started talking to each other and started exchanging contact information with each other and started building a community of themselves. Cause it's like, I am really engaged with this topic and you live here. So you need to be my friend so we can be engaged together. And it was just a delightful morning. It was just a perfect way to connect with people. That is a kick butt story. I love that. Now, it sounds great. Have your audience, and you might be again saying, Dave, I don't have an audience yet, but have them take a survey or have them email this or do a Facebook poll or things like that. Realize all of this is going to take some time. Now, it's not always going to take years, but uh, Natalie from Biz Chicks, again with an X, we were talking and she explained how she was trying to be found by the word small business and Apple Podcast. And if you're new to the show, Apple Podcast, their search, number one, it's kind of stacked against them. They have over 600,000 podcasts in Apple Podcasts. And so trying to rank for any term is going to take a while. I literally had someone today on Instagram. She said she just found my podcast. I asked her, how'd you find it? What did you, how did you find me? Again, one of the most important questions you can ask anybody from your audience. She said she searched for small business. And if you search for small business in Apple podcasts, I'm one of the second podcasts that come up. And I have been trying to be found for that term since uh, spring of 2016. That's when I first started to be found, wanting to be found for that term. And if you look at your calendar, that's about two and a half going on three years. So I say this, if your strategy is I'm going to put my show in Apple Podcasts and people will type this in and find me, it may not happen. Apple Podcast search is just not that great. And it's not all about numbers as well. And my, and I mean, you could look at my downloads. They're, they're not astronomical, but I have used that term enough in my different episode titles and they're relevant. It's also relevant that it's come up, but it didn't have like if, you know, in spring of 2016 or even the end of 2016, if you search for small business, I did not come up. So it's been an, you know, over time I've been, I've started to be found for that. So what is good content? I highly advise you before I hit play on this clip from Jay Soderberg, you get a pen and pencil and some paper. When I talk to people about their content, I usually talk to them about the three E's. And the three E's are entertain, educate, and emotion. And if your content has those three E's in it, then you have great content. Now, you can have a phenomenal podcast that's got hundreds of thousands of listens that doesn't have all three E's in that particular episode. Uh, But that doesn't mean it's great. It just means it's very good. Great content entertains. I mean, that's almost self-explanatory. If if it's not entertaining, people aren't going to waste their time in listening to the content that you're producing for them. It's got to educate. Uh, now, when I say it's got to educate, again, it doesn't mean you have to give something that they don't know or teach them something new in every single episode. But understand that if it doesn't educate your listener. It's not great content. I think that's a very key point to understand the difference between great and very good. And it has to be emotional. You have to elicit some sort of emotion out of your audience. Most people will obviously immediately think of, oh, well, I have to cry. No, you don't have to cry, but laughing is an emotion. You know, chuckling is an emotion. There's all sorts of different emotions that you can elicit out of your audience in every single episode. And if you're not doing that, then you don't have great content. And obviously, those three E's will lead to the fourth E, of engagement. And that's when you know that you are connecting with your audience because you've delivered those three E's and that audience is fully enraptured in what you're talking about. There, I threw in another E word. 
<laughs> so that's similar to what I've been saying. I, over the years, I've been saying you need to make people laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. And if you can tie those together to have three of those, you're, you've got solid gold. The other thing I think that leads to great content, if it's information you can't get any place else, that's going to make that niche group of people go, holy cow, I've been looking for this. And the beauty of podcasting is you are in control of your show and you have the power to change it and however you want so that it engages your audience. Here's Natalie. I've learned along the way to give myself freedom to try different things and to do things that are different than other people in the podcasting industry are doing and also to learn from from other people ahead of me. Uh, so for example, I started off just doing interviews and my show really took off when I began doing on-air coaching calls and solo episodes. So I thought that the audience I was serving would want to just hear interview after interview of amazing women entrepreneurs, which they enjoy. They do love that. And I still do that occasionally. Uh, but if you want your podcast to uh, grow your business, you have to put out your own thought leadership and understand what that is, how that, what your audience is, is wanting from you and needing from you and what you can deliver on. And once I shifted to that, then my numbers grew really exponentially and the engagement increased and, and the result, which is a business, uh, a coaching and mastermind business and now live events that has, has grown from stepping out there in a different way and, uh, and doing more of what's working. So Natalie had to do what was best for her show. She started off, remember, thinking she was going to get sponsorship. What did she end up with? A kick butt mastermind and coaching business. Oh, yeah. And now she hosts her own live events. So sometimes what works for one person will not work for everyone. Here's David Steele. It's a lot of things don't work for me or for us, you know, because it's an entertainment show. A lot of things are more like entrepreneurial mindset people and shows that are interview shows. So it doesn't always work for my kind of show, you know, just basically an entertainment show. And the amount of time you spend on a show does not always equal more great content. Here's Andrea. And what I found was that a lot of people have since given me feedback that they like the interviews, but they actually love the solo episodes even more which was really surprising to me considering that they are less time and effort mm -hmm. <laughs> than the interviews. So it wasn't necessarily that they wanted me to stop doing interviews, but that they wanted me to really focus on increasing the amount of solo content that I was producing. But this also means that your content, when you fix on that specific audience type, and you have your specific goal of where you want to go, you have to be okay that it's not going to engage everyone. Jay has some examples of movies that use the three E's but didn't resonate with everybody. Solo, the Han Solo individual Star Wars story, got destroyed. People hated it. But you want to know what? I loved it. For me, it was entertaining. Uh, it 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 kept me enraptured throughout the entire uh, what two plus hours of the movie. It educated me. I learned a whole bunch about Han Solo that I didn't know before, which was fantastic. And it elicited emotions out of me that uh, I did not expect out of that particular movie. Um, and another movie uh, that I was thinking about, this was the justice league movie. A lot of people hate the DC universe, hated the justice league movie. I personally found the justice league movie quite good. And again, it had the three E's in it for me. It, it entertained me. Uh, yes, it got slow in parts, but for the most part, overall, I was extremely happy with the movie. It elicited emotions out of me. Again, very uh, extremely happy with the way that the content was presented to me. And it educated me, learned more about the DC universe that I didn't know before uh, and exactly where that particular story is heading. So all of those things can be found even in content that not everybody necessarily wraps their arms around. So there is no 100% follow these steps and it will work formula because entertainment is very subjective. But 
that's why we said you get to pick who you talk to. You get to do the things that work for you to achieve your goal and realize this is why it takes work. This is why it takes time. But this is why you'll hear everybody say you have to have the passion. You have to have a lot of passion to really push through those early days when you're struggling to figure out who the heck am I talking to? Or you found who you're talking to and you're trying to get them to give you feedback. I mean, I'm not looking to go make a million dollars. That's not why I started doing it. I enjoy entertaining. I enjoy doing that. I get a, a high off of that. When I get feedback, it's like, yes, we're on track. We're doing it. And, and I'm changing people's lives or, or just making their day a little brighter. And so just keep doing it. Just keep doing your show. Take these tips. You know, whatever works for you, you will find it. Just keep plugging along. Just keep on going. I'll discover someone who has been listening to my show. And it's somebody that I know personally, but I had no idea they were listening to my show or even knew I had a show. And then suddenly I'll get a message from them or I'll see them somewhere and she'll say, wow, I really loved that episode about fill in the blank. The best feedback I've received is from a listener who's now a friend and now has her own podcast. But she began listening in 2015. So I started the podcast in 2014. There were several times before that I almost stopped podcasting. And she found my podcast when she was uh, with her daughter in the hospital. And her, her baby daughter was having heart surgery. And she could not listen to music because it was too emotional. She couldn't watch TV because kind of the same thing. It was too much to handle. And she found podcasts and mine became one of her favorites just to be, take her somewhere different. She has a business uh, and to take her to kind of that different part of her brain. And she sent me an email and I've said, and I'll share it with you. If I only did the podcast to help her through that time, it was worth it. Because it's been the most impactful thing that, from my point of view, the podcast has done to help someone through like one of the most unimaginable times in her life, her daughter having like open heart surgery, like her baby daughter having open heart surgery. Wow. Wow. How is that for emotional? So think about this. We talked about social. We talked about asking people in face. We talked about emailing people. We talked about surveys. All of these take two things, courage, because they might come back and say, you know, I really hate it when you do this. They might also, by the way, say, don't change a thing. I love it. But it also takes time. None of this happens by you sitting on a couch. You've got to pursue it. And the more you can do it in person, the better the conversation. So it takes a little time. It takes some planning to a certain extent. And it's kind of weird because we heard that in some cases with the best times and the best planning, you still get surprised. And that, my friends, is the fun of podcasting when you go. Now, it's great when everything just resonates, but it's always kind of fun when you open up door number three and go, what? I didn't expect that. I noticed that all those different ways, social, in-face, service, that's all just you have to ask people. And so I did something this past week at the School of Podcasting that I've never done. And I was like, well, what's the best way to communicate with people face to face? And so the students of the School of Podcasting are all over the planet. And I sent out an email. So if you're a student and you saw the one where I put, please open this, that's why. And I gave everyone the opportunity at the School of Podcasting for 15 minutes of free consulting, mainly because I wanted to see one, where are you in your podcast journey? What's bugging you? What can I help you with? What am I doing right as an instructor? And is there anything, what am I doing right? And what am I doing wrong? And I got to tell you, it was, yes. Now one hand, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, I had my schedule was kind of full with a bunch of free consulting that typically is kind of, well, has paid consulting on it, but it was a different kind of reward. It wasn't monetary, but I really got to understand my students. And that's really the best content comes from communicating with your audience. So don't be afraid to try something new. It may, whatever works for somebody else may not work 
for you. Now, if you're looking for constructive feedback, I do have the podcast review show. That's a show I do with myself. So I've been in podcasting for going on 15 years here. And I have Eric K. Johnson, who's been in radio for 30 years. And he kind of, his expertise is the flow and the content. And my expertise is I go over the technology of your show. And we basically go over, we both, like he knows technology, I know content. We go over your show with a fine-tooth comb. And that is at podcastreviewshow.com. If you just want a review of the very first part of your show, that's the podcast rodeo show that David mentioned. And of course, I've always got consulting and you've got courses, coaching, and community out at the School of Podcasting. You can find everything out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 655 that I mentioned today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And for February's question, we haven't done this one in a while. We're going to bring back one of the old hits. Let's let's do one of the old hits. And that is, I need this by February 22nd. We're going to have a rant fest because we all subscribe to new shows and we also unsubscribe from shows. So what are your pet peeves when it comes to podcasting? Because mine change from time to time. So what I'm looking for, let's do it this way. What is your top pet peeve? What is the one that just makes you go, ah, not all five of them. Like what's your top pot, your top pet peeve? The one that just gets under your skin. Uh, email me Dave at school of podcasting.com or just go out to school of podcasting.com slash contact. I actually prefer those in audio format. So if you're going to email me, record something and send it in, you can actually do that right on your phone. And, or like I say, go to school of podcasting.com slash contact. So I need that again by February 22nd, 2019. Thank you so much for tuning in. I look forward to working with you. Don't forget, use the coupon code listener. That's L-A-S-T-E-N-E-R when you sign up at schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Until next week, when we'll be talking about the podcast power pack, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. Mega Episode.